Welcome back to the Paranormal Girl Podcast. I am your host, Kristen. We are breaking season six guest ground with a very cool one today. Tombstone is a wildly haunted city with a long, intense, and often violent history. Familiar ghosts roam its streets, its businesses, and its homes. It's actually hard to think of even one inch of tombstone that doesn't have a story to tell or a phantom to find. History, though, doesn't reside simply in a textbook somewhere. For cities like Tombstone, its past characters and events are alive and well, even in the present day. And that should not surprise. It is the town too tough to die, after all. Today's guest knows his local haunts very well, and he joins us to discuss Tombstone's legendary people and its haunted history. Before we get to this awesome chat, let's do a word from today's sponsor. The Premier League is back in action, so it's only right we partner with the Premier Men's Grooming Company, Manscaped. A class above the rest, Manscaped also focuses on their off-ball movement with their Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Manscaped is known for their elite ball skills, but with the Beard Hedger, they are helping people notice that pretty face too. So, whether you're Lionel Messi down south or just focusing on looking sharp like Ronaldo, you can get the best men's grooming products at manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free delivery with the code PNG at checkout. You can make playing the game of a good grooming routine look easy with the Beard Hedger Face Trimmer. Because it does make it just that easy. The Beard Hedger is the juggernaut of fixing faces. This waterproof, cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers, no more extra add-ons with 20 lengths. It has never been so easy to find your signature beard look and maintain it just how you like it. Its titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, yet smooth on your skin, leading to single-stroke efficiency. (gasps) You hear that? (sighs) Score, dudes. Score. Kick this one right in the net. Make the crowds roar. And get 20% off and free delivery with the code PNG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com and use code PNG. Celebrate a new season of the beautiful game with your newly beautiful face. Bruce Burnett is a marketing and social media manager for the city of Tombstone. He is also the creator of the Tombstone Wild West Paracon, following their awesomely successful inaugural event earlier this year. They are now gearing up for their second annual convention scheduled to take place April 26th through the 28th. Today's episode will be the first half of our conversation, wherein my guest tells me about an incredibly real personal experience with a woman in white before diving into the history 
and the hauntings of Tombstone, including encounters with a gregarious and very friendly little girl named Emma and the most haunted location in the city. Might not be where you think. Please enjoy my conversation with Bruce Burnett. I, I got into the paranormal. My very first experience with the paranormal was at a party at my brother's house. I was 16 years old. Like I said earlier, I lived in Southern California. I was, my brother lived in Fullerton, California, in Orange County. And I went to a party at his house and he was the only apartment at the top of these stairs. And I'm walking up the stairs and, you know, I'm 16. Any woman I see, I'm thinking is fair game for me, which I was better looking when I was younger. But uh, I, I see a girl come out the door from his apartment and doesn't look. Uh, I mean, it was kind of when I look back on it, it's kind of weirdly spiritual seeming now because she was in a white dress and had blonde hair, you know, but she didn't look ghostly at all. She walked past me on the stairs. I walked by and I'm looking like this and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to find out who that girl is. And you know, it's not a, it's a, like a two bedroom apartment. There's like maybe 20 people total. I'm like, I can find out for sure. And I go in, I start asking people who was that girl and everyone's, says, I don't know. I didn't see her. I'm like, you must have seen this girl. You cannot have not seen her. Uh, she didn't look at, you know, all of my brother's friends were older than me. This girl was more like my age. I'm like, you had to have seen the girl in the white dress. Everyone is in there in black t-shirts and stuff. I'm like, how could you not have seen? And so I ask around, my brother lived with a gal who was very, um, she read tarot cards and stuff like that. And her name was not Linda. It was Lenda. And I remember she was just a little off kilter all the time. You know, she was very spiritually minded. And uh, suddenly two of my other friends come in and they come in and they walk straight up to me and they go, Bruce, who is that girl that we saw? And I go, oh, did you see her down by? Because this was like three or four minutes after I came in. I go, did you see her down by the parking lot? And they go, she just walked out the door just now, like five seconds ago. And I'm like, Oh no, she did not just walk out the door because I saw her walk out the door like five minutes ago. And they're like, no, she literally just walked down the stairs. And finally I asked this gal Linda about it. And she's like all ethereal. And she's like, Oh, that's Kathy or whatever the name was. And I go, who's that? And she goes, Oh, she died back in the fifties in a car accident. And I'm like, no, this is a girl that just walked down the stairs. She goes, oh, no. she go And she looks at me and she goes, white dress, blonde hair. And I'm like, yes. And she goes, I see her all the time walking. She goes, I see her almost every time I come up the stairs. And I'm like, and I had been to their house before. And I'm like, I've never seen her before. But apparently she showed me a, a newspaper clipping she had. And this gal uh, had lived with her mother and then she was sneaking out to go on something and she was going downstairs to meet her boyfriend or whatever. And they were killed in a car accident. And so like a residual spirit, she always does exactly the same thing. Every time she never has any interaction with anyone or anything like that, but that was my kickoff uh, to the paranormal. Wow. She, uh, that's, 
so she was residual she was so clear she was so clear to yeah. you like she looked real oh, she she was not like i'm telling you now granted i was 16 i was probably stoned so let's get that <laughs> out of the way i was probably high but just so you know i have 33 years sober now but it wasn't always that way uh but i think that uh it just looked like a person to me. It wasn't ethereal. There was no see-through. It was no apparition. And we have been, we have a, a couple spirits like that in town here as well, um, where they don't, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I saw a black shadow figure, or I saw this, or I saw that. There's, I'll tell you about it later, that we have a, an apparition that looks like a guy in 1880s wear that walks same as with her, walks from one place to another place, does the same thing every time. So, Are you especially sensitive to seeing this kind of stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can answer. We had a weird gal. We, we, we spoke a little bit about this before the show, but we, had, we have a, a gal that used to own a place right on historic Allen Street called uh, Sisters Paranormal. And my wife is a thousand percent skeptic like a thousand percent when we had the paracon she ordered a shirt that said token skeptic on it and she would walk around town everyone else is like wearing all these ghoulio ghost hunting shirts and she's got this shirt says token skeptic and um and so i i am not very sensitive but this girl from from uh uh, three sisters or two sisters paranormal. She looks at my wife one time. My wife is buying a purse. She had a store too. And the gal looks at my wife and goes, oh, she goes, you are very sensitive. You are very sensitive. My wife goes, no, I'm a thousand percent skeptic of all that ghosty crap. And she goes, just because you're skeptic doesn't mean you're not sensitive. And I'm like, ooh. And the uh, and then she looked at me and she goes, well, you're really sensitive too. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of things where I myself see or feel or hear. Yeah. Do I get goosebumps? Yeah. If I'm in a dark room by myself in a creepy room, I can get goosebumps anyway. It doesn't matter if there's spiritual presence there or not. It's like you lock me up alone somewhere and I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> Uh, but she said I was sensitive because she asked me, she says, all right, so maybe stuff doesn't happen to you, but does it happen to people around you? And I'm like, yeah, all the time, all the time. And she goes, well, you might be the conduit for that. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy because, you oh. know, when you when you do investigations and things, when things happen that are like targeted without a doubt directly at you. Uh, you know, those are the kind of things that uh, are are hard to discount, you know, and I've had some experiences like that here in Tombstone where I'm like, oh, oh, that's talking about me <laughs> by name, you know, by <laughs> name. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. So Yeah, that's not always a comfortable moment when your name pops up on the EVP or uh, the spirit box. It's like, oh, OK. And yeah leave this room. Well, you know, let's talk about the kinds of experiences that people 
are uh, having in Tombstone when they go to investigate. They're taking these tours. I, uh, I, I especially love history meets haunting. I, I think they, oh. they feed each other. And yeah. so I'm, I am keenly interested in this space, Tombstone. It is, it is historic and it is haunted AF. So let's talk about some of these locations. And, and not only is it haunted AF, I love that term, <laughs> haunted AF, uh, is it's historically super well known. I mean, you go to a lot of places and people, they know about the history and stuff, but like in town here, everybody's a historian. And I, I don't mean everyone's a good historian. I just mean everyone's a historian. I mean, you'll hear... Hollywood history mixed with archive history mixed with oral history all in the same conversation and no one looks at you like it's weird. But if I was going to talk about some things that people see a lot, we'll I'll talk first about, um, I mean, people have referred to it as a specter, have referred to it as an apparition, have referred to it as a guy walking across the street. And that is what they commonly associate with Wyatt Earp. And I got to, I have to say, pardon me, because when I'm looking at you, I probably look like I'm looking to the side because my camera is over here. <laughs> I didn't so, even notice. No, you're good. Probably like, I'm like, hey. Uh, okay. So what they call the deadliest corner in Tombstone is the corner of Allen and Fourth Street. You have Crystal Palace on one side, you have the, um, uh, White Earps Oriental Saloon on the other side. You have some shops on this side over here. And then you have the Longhorn Restaurant, which back in the day was called the Bucket of Blood. You know, we, we had original names of places back then. So the Bucket of Blood had some construction going on. And Virgil Earp. Now, do you know Wyatt Earp is? Do you even know? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with Wyatt Earp. Yeah, and Virgil is his, his okay. brother, right? Right. So anyone that's seen the movie Tombstone, which the older I get, the less people are familiar with the movie, because when I grew up, it was like a big thing. Oh, shoot out at the OK Corral. And it's it's not so much anymore, but it's a really interesting story. It's a super good Western. So but Virgil Earp, who was uh, Wyatt Earp's brother, um, this is after the shootout at the OK Corral. OK, shootout at the OK Corral. Uh, there was there was Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, Virgil Earp, and Morgan Earp. And then on the Cowboy side, there was uh, Tom and Frank McClowry, uh, Billy Claiborne, Ike Clanton, Billy Clanton. Now, Ike Clanton didn't have a gun, and neither did Billy Claiborne. So they ran, which actually saved their lives. And then this gunfight ensues. And, you know, you always hear the Western gunfights. It's like you're going to line up on the street and they're 30 feet apart and they go like this, like pull the gun and they shoot. Not like that. These guys were like four and five feet apart. They were close to each other. There was a couple of them that were different distances, but I don't know how anybody missed anybody. I mean, I'm I'm not like a great shot or anything, but I'm like there's a body like four feet in front of you, you know, any kid that's good at uh, fallout or something uh, can hit something that close. But anyway, 30 shots in 30 seconds, everybody took a bullet except Wyatt Earp. 
I mean, everyone at least got injured. Doc Holliday had the least serious uh, injury, just barely got clipped on the side. Um, but as a, as a comeback to that, because all these Cowboy guys, they all got killed. The ones that stayed there, they all died. And so the other Cowboy faction, which was kind of a they, – they, I've heard them referred to as just cattle guys, and I've heard them referred to as the first crime syndicate in the West, you know, and all they, they, they did sell cattle. It wasn't always theirs, but they did sell cattle. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of them. And so they went after Virgil Earp, and they tried to assassinate him. And they fired from the bucket of blood as he was walking from White Earps Oriental over to uh, the Crystal Palace. And uh, two shotgun blasts didn't kill him. Really, really uh, maimed his shoulder. He uh, he never got the use of his arm again. Uh, you know, the quote from the movie was the doctor's like, I think I'm going to have to cut off your arm. And he says, and he tells his wife, he tells his wife, she says, oh, they might cut off your arm. And he goes, Sam Elliott plays uh, plays him in the movie. And he goes, I'll still have one arm hold you with. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but people often see Virgil Earp walking from uh, the one part of the street to the other. It's just across the street, but it's always the same guy in the same 1880s dress going on the same walk every single time. And I've even had a federal law enforcement officer who's very well trained at being observant say, I've seen it. And I'm like, come on, tell me, is it a ghost? And he goes, look, I'm not going to say it was a ghost. And he says, but I'm going to say I can't explain what I saw. He goes, because I was not that far from the corner. He walked across the street. Three seconds later, I got to the edge of the corner where you can see like 70 yards and there's nowhere really to hide. And he goes, there was no one there. But he goes, my wife asked me when I told her the stories, she's like, have you been drinking? And he's like, no, I haven't. But that's a very pop. And that's a right out in the middle of Allen Street uh, thing that hundreds of tourists, maybe even thousands have seen. This is BJ. And this is Mitra. And we're from the Unrefined Podcast. Do you like ghost stories, urban legends, spooky tales that will chill your spine? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I just, I'm just getting into it, okay? Just a little bit. But seriously, if you want to hear us talk about all things that are unexplained, but with a good sense of humor, then tune into Unrefined, your favorite paranormal podcast. New episodes out every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes of Unrefined right to your device. you say is the most haunted location like somebody's going to go in there and they are going to experience something shefflin hall ed shefflin was the guy that discovered silver in tombstone the story goes that he was working at fort wachuca um army base and he, he was an indian scout but he was also a prospector right so when he wasn't being an indian scout he'd go out in the hills and try and find and the guys at the fort said, better be careful because it's all Apaches out there and you're going to find some stones out there, but it's going to be your tombstone. And so he named his first claim, uh, not his first mine, but his first claim, he named it the tombstone. Uh, but uh, 
his brother, his name was Ed Shefflin, and it was the largest silver strike in Arizona history. It was they took I I I don't know the number, but it's like it's like millions of dollars in 1880s money. So, you know, I don't know, billion dollars now. I mean, a lot of silver. Mm -hmm. And his brother built this place called Shefflin Hall. This was the alternative to another place we'll talk about in a while, which is called the Birdcage Theater. If anyone was familiar with the location in Tombstone, like your listeners, it's probably the Birdcage because they hold ghost tours there all the time. It's a thing there. Um, it's voted on many top 10 lists. And I think it's mostly voted that way because more people go into it. Shefflin Hall is owned by the city. You can't just go in there and investigate. You know, you can't like buy a ghost tour and go in. There. On the other hand, I've been in there because uh, when we have our Paracon, we invite some paranormal teams to help us. And they normally help do the investigations for free, but we'll like, put them up in hotel rooms and they get to investigate places they couldn't normally investigate and things like that. And so as a bonus uh, for them helping us, we take them to both Boot Hill Graveyard at night, which you also can't really do, and Shefflin Hall. And this goes along to where we were talking about earlier. And I said, it's weird when, when your name gets mentioned, right? So we have this spirit in Tombstone I don't know if it's her actual name, but everybody calls her Emma and she answers to Emma. And Emma sounds like she's about eight or nine or 10 years old. She's kind of precocious. She has no problem busting in on other conversations. And you always know when it's her. And it's the weirdest thing because Emma will talk to you in full sentences. And she has zero problem answering specific questions. I mean, it's really, it's it's like that kind of thing where it's almost like you think there's some tech guy in the back with the thing and, you know, talking through something to, you know, to answer the questions. So this team called Get Out Paranormal was down in the basement and they come up and I'm up on the main floor and, and it's a theater too. So there's a stage and all that. And they come up and I'm like, how was it done? They're like, oh, oh, my God, we were talking to this little girl. And I'm like, oh, that's Emma. And they're like, oh, yeah, we were talking to her. And she just was answering questions. And we had a whole thing with her for a long time. And I go, I go, that's fantastic. I go, Emma was up here, too, talking to somebody on the stage. I go, I don't know, you know, because I don't know how the spirit world works. But she was all over the place. And she's not always there. She, sometimes she's at Boot Hill. Sometimes she's at other locations in town. And the gal says, but we weren't able to talk to the male spirit. And I'm like, what male spirit? And she says, well, Emma said to specifically say hi to Bruce. And I'm like, oh, and I go, my my name's Bruce. And they're <laughs> like, oh, Emma said to say hi to you. And I'm like, oh, and, you know, Bruce is. Not a super common name. I mean, I lived in L.A. County with 10 million people for 40 years. I never met a guy named Bruce. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's just not a usual name. So when they're like, oh, say hi to Bruce. Have you heard of a spirit named Bruce? I'm like, well, mine, I'm not a spirit. <laughs> I'm like, did she say say hi to a spirit? And they're like, no, she just said say hi to Bruce. And I'm like. 
oh, that's weirdly creepy. Wow. Yeah, that that, that gave me chills when you said that because I knew you were going to say it was you. I was like, oh, whoa. Wow. And they didn't know. They didn't know. No, I had never met those particular guys. I had met wow. another. I met another team at a place called Undertaker Espresso. And I had met with them and took them to Shuffling Hall. And uh, my partner, or not really my partner, but uh, one of the people that works on our team uh, was meeting one this other paranormal team and took them to Shuffling Hall. So they didn't even know my name at all. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they knew who I was and it was a made up thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so Emma is at Birdcage. No, Emma is at Shefflin Hall. At Shefflin Hall. Okay. Okay. But, but she's also at Boot Hill. She's also at the Tombstone, what they call the Tombstone News Cemetery, which started back in the 1880s. So it's not exactly new, but there's a lot of famous people buried there too. And she's been caught on the walking ghost tours before too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And like I said, she's like precocious she likes to talk to people it's like she will if she doesn't like you she will let you know we had a, we had a guy on a tour one time and and uh the the ghost hunter's like well what do you what do you think of this place and uh somebody said something and she goes he's a liar mm. <laughs> he's a liar and everyone was like ooh because we don't we're not really thick with dark entities here. We're not, we're, we're not a dark entity place. You know, we're not, I mean, it's not that we don't have people that get touched and things like that, but we don't, uh, we don't have, you know, there's no demonic thing going on here. There's, you know, it's not going to be like, God, I even hate to mention this. It's not going to be like ghost adventures where if there's no evidence, suddenly someone's going to get possessed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Oh, you know, they, they get no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. And suddenly there's like, oh, oh, something's inside me. And I'm like, hmm. That's, yeah, that's that's convenient, isn't it? They came <laughs> here twice. Ghost Adventures has been here twice. That's right. Yeah. Where did they investigate? Uh, they investigated one time over at what they call Ike Clanton's Haunted Hotel, which is um. Actually, I don't know where they went the one time. The other time they went to the birdcage, so. Oh, okay. But the birdcage, they're not fans of them. They're they're not fans of, of uh, ghost adventures? No. Matter of fact, the owner, when we were mentioning that Paracon was coming, she goes, don't bring those guys near my near, near the birdcage. And I go, oh. I go, why? She goes, if I see them on my property, I'm going to arrest them for trespassing. And I'm like, oh, because apparently... You know, I mean, the birdcage is also a museum, right? So it's like, you can't go here. You can't go here. You can't go here. You don't touch this. You don't touch that. And of course, they did all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so she's not a fan of theirs. So. Yeah, but that, that's true. You know what I've discovered? And I give all props to uh, Ghost Adventures, right? I mean, they really brought ghost hunting into the limelight. You can't fault them. They got the number one show on the Travel Channel. Um, but if you talk to if you talk to the public, they love them. They're like rock stars of the paranormal. World. I used to hang out with a lot of bands and stuff when I was young. And it's like these guys, when you're with them in person, they're very much just like dudes. You get them in front of a bunch of girls and suddenly they turn into rock gods. And that's exactly the way those guys are. But paranormal teams and stuff, mm, not so much. They, they don't like them so much. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that being said, I I would love to meet Aaron at some point. I I I've heard he's, he's a really cool dude. He's the one guy, you know. And because I sympathize with Aaron, it's like you want me to go down to the basement by myself. <laughs> Why don't you go down to the basement by yourself? And that that would be me. I'm like, you know, like I said, I I can get the creepies. Uh, you know, the creepies when being anywhere by myself and i'm like oh yeah don't put me in the basement i don't yeah. i don't want i used to like the guys um i mean i can't remember their names but i know the name of the show is called ghost bros and they were out of like atlanta or something and these three black guys in it and in their opening thing like super nice guys they look like they'd be super cool to hang out with and in their in their thing the one guy says let me tell you something if i see a ghost the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run screaming. And he goes, I'll go back and try and get evidence later. He goes, but if something happens, the very first thing I'm going to do is be in another room. And I'm like, that's like the most honest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Yeah. Yeah. At least he's honest about it. <laughs> well, um, well, uh, before we move on, um, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind, can we hear a couple of, about some of the phantoms of birdcage or, or the, the historical significance of why what's going on there is going on there. Catch the second part of my conversation with Bruce this Friday. We'll pick right up with the very historic, very haunted Birdcage Theater in just a couple of days. Bruce also tells us about numerous haunted locations around Tombstone that you wouldn't ordinarily think of first to investigate. This town, I swear, you guys, it is the paranormal investigator's paradise. We, of course, also discuss details of the upcoming Wild West Paracon. In the meantime, if you are already curious about attending and want to find out when tickets will become available, or you just want to touch base with my guest, please visit the links to their website and Facebook that are included in the show notes. You can also touch base with me at Paranorm Girl Pod on all socials and YouTube. You can also email the show at paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. That is a wrap for today's part one. See you guys back here Friday. Until then, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.